Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Experts Podcast. Uh, my name's Nick Hayes, and uh, I'm here with the vivacious and lovely Carmen Braywood. Hi, Nick Hayes. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Um, I always get uh, a little funny when I'm talking to another podcaster. Because, <laughs> the pressure's on? Well, slightly, just a tad. But and she also, is a good one too. Yeah, I know. Stop it. No need. <laughs> no, no. Look, I, I was listening to quite a few of them yesterday and mm. uh, in the research, etc., and it was like going... Damn it, this woman! She just drags everything out of you. She gets to, she gets to the core. Yeah, her name's Becky Felstead. <laughs> Welcome, Becky. Hello, thank you for having me. Hi, and, Becky. Uh, I'm I'm excited for you guys to drag everything out of me, as you say. Well, the resource podcast. It, it's where did it come from? Why did you do it? Oh, so many things. I think um, I actually had a podcast previous called The Talking Stick where I would uh, approach all taboo topics, race, religion, sex, money, rock and roll, um, because I could see that I had a knack or just not even a gift. It was nothing I could control. (laughs) That truth came out of my mouth and I was really interested in having hard conversations on topics that I think we avoid. Um, So that's where it kind of came from. And then I had worked up in the uh, in the resource sector for two years have been a female for uh, all of my life and <laughs> <laughs> just doing the math glad we worked that out <laughs> and um I you know have had experiences of you know harassment assault and when I was asking the question if other people have had that um experience not even 50 percent not even 80 percent 100 percent of people have either directly experienced it or know somebody who has and I was like this is a conversation that needs to be opened up And the good news for you, Becky, is that this is a conversation that is not just sitting on podcasts or in the digital realm anymore. The Mm. media, traditional media, I mean radio, television that we discuss here on the Experts Podcast, are very interested, particularly in the last six months here in WA. Can you tell us about your experience with broadcast media and why they've been talking to you? Yeah, so 100%. I think uh, I have to thank Caitlin Rintoul has been at the West Australian. Australian, Yeah, has been really pivotal in her investigations into uh, the resource sector but into harassment and assault in general. Um, The resource sector is obviously being looked at um, but it's throughout society and it's systemic but um, Caitlin has done an amazing job, the West Australian has done an amazing job of looking into that Um, and the reason why I think maybe that we've been able to kind of see eye to eye and have that relationship is because I was a photographer for 15 years previous to that. So you got a media background. I got a, well yeah, a media not the same as you know you guys but um, I was behind the camera yes. Yeah, hang on, hang on, Mm. don't don't downgrade yourself here because imposter syndrome all over the place. When you're behind the From the photography perspective, Mm. I mean, you're capturing pictures that literally uh, don't carry any words. So you've got to be even better at the game than, than, than most in the media game 
themselves. You know how to tell the story. Correct, because the picture tells mm. a thousand words, but it's that picture you've got to create. That's 100%. And I think when I was a cadet starting off, I was only, I was a photographer for 15 years. I was a photojournalist for, for the four. And when I was a cadet starting out, the photographer that I had um, taken over, he wasn't still there. I was, there was no training necessarily. It was mm. down in the southwest and it was it's a really busy regional area where there's, you know, like music, um, there's wine, there's sport, there's, um, you know, a lot of spot news. There's a lot – there was – when I first started in the first month that I was there, there was a spate of about three shark attacks that had happened. So mm. I was just chucked straight in and had to learn on my feet um, of how to capture it like you said um in one image and telling a story and making sure that I'm doing my due diligence of trying to get as much as I can in that one image so Becky that's what gave you the media relationships that has helped you get your message to media it's helped you create an excellent podcast but I would say it's the strength of your story which is over and above separate to your career you know well it's entwined with your entwined with your career too isn't it but your story itself, you know, that didn't come from the relationship. That's a very strong story that you have. It's inspired the podcast and your media appearances. Can you tell us a bit about your story? Yeah, and and I think speaking on that, it was really valuable for me to be in media because I got to meet so many different people and I got to hear other people's stories. I got to hear how other people delivered their stories and, and what was important to the world, what people were reading and things like that. And, and it gave me confidence to you have to go in and like like you know – speak to everyone and anyone about things that are difficult and and things that are newsworthy. So that was a benefit for me as well. And when it comes to my story um, uh, in particular to what I'm sharing with the podcast and what's happening now, when I was a teenager, like I said, I've been a female my whole life, but had um, an experience as a teenager and and trigger warning um, with this, had an experience as a teenager going to a party Um, being assaulted and not really understanding what had happened, Mm. having that fear of blaming myself, I should have done this, I should have said no louder, I should have kicked them off, I should have done this and, and, you know, it would have worked out if I had have told someone, but I didn't. And I kept that a secret for such a long time and and to be quite honest, and and this is why I'm so passionate about it, is because I know that somebody who's listening might resonate with that. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell anyone I pushed it aside and then most of my experiences in my 20s were dictated by that experience and Mm, and my lack of understanding. I think everybody's lack of understanding around harassment, assault and abuse was stemming from that. Why why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you mention anything after that? Because I think there'll be a lot of people listening that went and may have felt the same or Mm. have gone through the same experience. Yeah, I think at the time I remember – you know, sobering up. I'd, I'd had um, a fair bit to drink, taken myself away and um, went to bed alone and woke up, somebody else was in the bed. And while it was happening, I remember sobering up and kind of being met with two choices. I either, you know, say, kick them off, do all those things, walk out, scream, you know, go and tell somebody and they'll, you know, believe me and it will get reported to the police and then I'll have to go through court and then I would destroy this person's life because Mm. I have made it known that they are somebody who's assaulted someone. And 
for me at that time, having been called names previously for having lost my virginity when I was younger, I felt like it was my own fault. Mm. And all of that was going through my mind, having been called a slut previously, having been called names mm. and being questioned. I didn't have faith in the justice system because at that, the same time there was things going through the media, there was a lot of things happening um, in the world that there was no you didn't have faith in the justice system. So I didn't feel like I was going to be believed. Police weren't necessarily at that time somebody who believed you. You'd be questioned, you'd be blamed. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I remember having all that go through my mind or I surrender and I chose to surrender and I chose to keep that a secret because I didn't think I would have been believed. I thought I would have been blamed and questioned and that was the decision that I made at the time. Yeah, oh, that's frightful, and I and and I think I don't think that it happens to blokes. So let's just put it out there. I don't think I think you're right, Nick. And it's 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 frightful to you because it's something you probably never considered would be a thing. No, because you haven't had to. Never you haven't had lived to. that experience. And but now I think back, and you you all the female friends that I had, if if they ever felt that way or ever you know ever mm. saw that, the first thing you're right, we'd be doing is picking that bloke up, giving him a good pounding, and say, get the hell out of here. Nick off. You're not. You're not the kind of person we want to hang out with. Um, but it's just we don't experience that. We didn't never feel that or that fear that it could actually happen. But do you go back to that point, that moment? Did you, did you regret not saying anything? I. There was so much happening in life. I felt like I just forgot about it and 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 moved on. And quite honestly, at the time, I didn't realise what had happened. What had happened yeah. and what yeah. it was, which is the the really common story and, and and having other survivors on the podcast and having conversations is that's why it's so important to me of education and awareness is because we assume that or I assumed that assault you're getting dragged down the back alley yeah. and you're getting beaten and you're, you know, with a, an inch of your life. That's what it was. Yeah. When actually, if you're being touched without consent, if you, there's so much scope of what it is. Yep. And the hard truth and what makes, you know, your heart sink is that so many people have had that experience mm. and so many people have not understood what it is and, and – when it comes to statistics, depending on which sector we're in, depending on where we're, you know, speaking, 75% of um, females have experienced it. Men have experienced it. And there's more so, you know, again, trigger warning, child abuse that can happen sure. happen with young men. And that's also really prevalent. prevalent. Mm. Is that until the Me Too movement happened... Yeah. I don't think any of us understood what the bloody hell had happened and we'd been told to keep it a secret and shut up, keep your mouth shut and do not tell anybody and that it was your own fault. Shame. What were you wearing? You shouldn't have been drunk. You should have – and then questioned why didn't you tell anyone now and and why – and even I've had that during training of, you know – oh, somebody just, that happened to me and she just changed her mind. I'm like, no, if somebody is going to change their mind, if, they, if they're not in a safe place, yeah. they're going to surrender to that point and then afterwards once they realise what has happened, they might go, wow, shit. Yeah. And that's what I think uh, upon reflection myself is trying to understand when my body's saying no my body's saying yes and understanding my own boundaries and understanding 
what is what is really important. So this is still such a difficult conversation. It was a more difficult conversation back then. Mm. And that's why, it, you know, with consent coming to the fore as a story, as an interest piece, as an understanding of what we're educating our children around, and therefore as a result the rest of us, you know, we, we need training in workplaces. And that's what you've started to do. You must at times, though, like you've just hinted at there, be met with a bit of resistance. What are some of the rejection, the objections that you hear? I think a quote that I might not hit on the head, but some of us, in acknowledging what assault is and people avoid assaulting what it is, we realise that we've either been a victim or a survivor or we've been a perpetrator. Yes. And I think the resistance is being met by people who may have been somebody in the past or may have not, and and giving people the benefit of the doubt, we're not talking about violent assaults here, we're talking about people who've made mistakes and upon reflection gone, wow, shit, maybe I was a part of that culture. And and I do believe, and and you said, how deep are we going to go? I'm happy to talk. Oh, let's go deep. (laughs) Let's go deep. I'm I'm, I'm loving this. And and, and, and sorry, I'm loving it for a different reason. Yeah. You said... I think as a male, we are completely unaware of this sometimes. I think, and particularly if we're not the perpetrators or we don't have a, a culture or a uh, a group that is this is known for or what's going on, I, I don't think, you know, I, I've, I've worked in, in an office space for 30-odd for years. You know, I, I probably went and dated a couple of the girls that I worked mm. with on occasions, but I never thought for a second was I using or, or, or you know, that, that just hasn't even played a, a role or a play in, in this game at all. I, I don't see that at all, but I'm, I'm shocked that you have to go through that because mm. as a female, I'm shocked that you have to actually – carry that with you even if you don't know and and the fact that you had to carry that weight with you um to make that decision to not yay or nay mm. that's that's not right you shouldn't have to 100% and i and i think as well when i say like i that was me picking from one experience that i had mm. from probably one of my earlier experiences i've i could a lot of people could write a book of the experiences that I've had and that was just one particular. So I I think that helped in, not helped, but forged the understanding for me of what was acceptable and what's not because it kept on happening. So I was like, okay, this this must be just the way it is. And because of, I do believe because of porn culture and because of, um, rape culture, the conversations around what is acceptable and what's not, there's yep. young men who are, you know, we're not educated. We, we're, there's more now, but we weren't educated mm-hmm. in school of how to have a good interaction with someone, how to have a sensual, how to speak, you know, un- help somebody understand what you like and what they like, how to communicate with each other. We're taught how to not get pregnant, how to not get mm. STIs, how to put a condom on a banana. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know... That we're taught all the things not to do and all the things to be ashamed of. And I guess all, and where we got our guidance and our mentoring for was from our parents. And for a lot of the you know, kids yeah. growing up, don't have parents or you know around them anymore. Or, they've or got parents less who didn't want to have that conversation. Or weren't no, realistically, they weren't equipped. They to didn't have know that. how to, did they? Yeah, and they yeah. came from a time where it was even more taboo and it was shameful. And uh, part of my story that I share is when I was um, – when in 1956 my mum was born to a 15-year-old mother out of wedlock, 
the the father's name wasn't put on the birth certificate because he was older. She was shamed for being a young mother. She was written about in the paper because she, you know, ha- had sex and also had a child out of wedlock. Mm. And that is also a really consistent story. So it's been happening for such mm. such a long time, and that was what kind of shaped my understanding as well around how I should feel about something. Shame was an umbrella and an overarching theme within our family when it came to sexuality and and, um, having that conversation. Mum did her very best to, you know, change the narrative around that with body autonomy. We'd go to rainbow gatherings. There'd be, you know, hippies, fire twirling, chai tea uh, and nudity around, but it wasn't sexual. There was bodies of all different shapes, sizes, colours. And it was accepted um, to be around nudity. And, and I do believe that, you know, my parents did their best. But then there's only so much your parents can do. Once yeah. you go into the world, once we're, we, we grew up in, you know, like heroin chic and R. Kelly. I don't know if anybody else knows what R. Kelly was getting up to while mm. we were listening to the remix to Ignition. Heart yeah, and fr- right. you know, I freaking mm-hmm. love that song. And um, what is it? I can fly. I believe I can fly. I love that song, but I can't stand it now because he was grooming young girls. Mm. He was um, Stockholm Stockholm syndrome within his hot in his house. Mm. There was, you know, it's Harvey Weinstein. I know there's like a lot of trick people are probably like, uh, oh, uh, yeah. But I think what but you it's are little do- wonder. Yeah, and mm. what you're doing, I mean, the bravery that you're presenting and you're putting forward, because I think you know if you've managed to, you know, highlight or at least deal with it and work on it that you're giving someone an opportunity to go back and think, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, this might be the reason why I make decisions and the way I go about it. And I think that, to your credit, uh, the bravery there is is outstanding. And the Me Too movement comes, I mm. think, you know, I, I think when that did start to, to, to flare up, and then there's more, there's been lots of sort of waves of the Me Too yeah. uh, opportunity. And I think that, that we need to continue to keep that going mm. because – we can't also just say things that we're fixing or, or, or you know, giving it lip service. We've actually – our actions are – we've got to do everything and prove everything that we're doing with our actions. Yeah. And, and, I, think, and I don't think we're necessarily doing that. Not necessarily, but the media are getting a lot of opportunities to shine a light. You know, we've got yep. people coming forward like Grace Tame and then Brittany Higgins. The story's happening. We have the FIFO situation, you know, inquiry and looking into what's going on there. So there are many opportunities for the media to hold our decision makers sure. to account. How do you think we're going on that front, Becky? Um, I, I'm surrounded by progress. So some days I'm like, yes, this is amazing. We're doing so, so well and everybody's so progressive and we're having this conversation and it's great Mm. and it's amazing. And that's the optimist in me. And that's where I I think it's really important in this conversation to remain hopeful and to remain and have the understanding that we are going to change and there is going to be progress. So I do Mm. believe that there is progress. The fact that we're here on this podcast today having the conversation like you said the fact that it's in media being held to account the fact that I think you know the resource sector can see that they it might not just be happening in the resource sector but they can see that they have an opportunity to be innovators and change makers in the space Mm -hmm. to there's budgets around it and you know not taking it personally that it people believe that it is just FIFO and to make that change I can see having had meetings and having been presenting I can see that there are definitely people who want to change but with change comes resistance and there's people who 
I quite often see on Facebook groups, I quite often see, you know, in social media where people say, well, I've been in, you know, the sector or I've been this for 20 years and I've never seen one thing. And sometimes it's older women or younger women who are saying, well, I've never had that experience before. In my mind, I go, the whole concept of fit in or bugger off yeah. is people wanting to fit in and wanting to to give a voice to say that it isn't happening because they're resistant to change. Yeah. They again, they feel uncomfortable that maybe they've been somebody who has possibly taken part in it before. Yeah. Yep. But it's really important for me to help people understand everybody is that we want to understand what's happened in the past. We need to understand what's happened in the past yep. so that we don't make those mistakes in the future. Yeah, and so that workplaces, yeah. schools, uh, parties, social occasions, everything is safer mm. for everybody everywhere. You yeah. know, it, it does really trouble me to think that we have young girls going off to work fresh out of uni who, if we're not got sending them to a safe workplace, are at risk of sexual harassment behaviours, which I'm not talking about assault here. They're two separate things. But those sexual harassment behaviours, you know, they're things that have been mistakenly accepted as just workplace culture. And I'm going to flip that around and say there are definitely circumstances I can remember in the media when we're behind the scenes at a radio station where everyone's just trying to one-up each other being funnier than the other one, uh, where there would have been us older girls who would have sexually harassed a young boy mm-hmm. who was around. I've definitely I've definitely done it in my, in my past. Even when it comes to something as simple as hugging, I am a hugger. I've grown up in a hugging family. I've, I, we're a hugging and kissing family. Yep. And There's all those I've, hippie parties where you got yeah, comfortable yeah, being nude. Exactly. Yeah, well, I, never, I was never <laughs> hugged as a kid when there was nudity involved and it was very respectful and I have to mention good, good that. Good point, yes. was a different <laughs> um, and, and that's a whole different story and that's really prevalent as well. We could do a whole new podcast on that. But, um, so I, hugging. Yeah, so hugging for me, I've had to learn that I've definitely 100% forced a hug on someone, not forced it, but they're not a hugger and their body language has said no and I've mm. and I've hugged them anyway in the past and I've been really mindful of late. So I, I think COVID actually killed yeah. off the huggers. Yeah, thank uh, goodness for and, that, and, really. Oh, God, yeah. really God. It was a real tough time for a hugger, but it was like, oh, for the non-huggers. Yeah. Like, it's right, Jesus. Yes, no, you're so right. And it's it's all those things, like um, you mentioned yeah, forcing the hug. If you pick that up and use it as an analogy, like a nickname, if Someone says, listen, I don't like being called that. It makes me feel gross. And someone keeps saying it and saying it and saying it. Or someone keeps making a point about, uh, oh, there's, there was a thing that used to go around. You'd say to someone after the weekend, get any action? Right. You know, like uh, that kind of comment. Yeah. Like people you might. Fit in. You want to be cool. You want to like, fit in. And, well, it's kind of cool. You know? Some of the conversations that I've had have been like disgusting with some of my girlfriends when I was younger. I, yeah. I fully acknowledge that. But. Once we know better, we do better and I'm trying to do better. And if I can, like I 100% have said some terrible things to my friends, never to to somebody else. And you want to assume you're in a situation where there is there's solid consent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At work, we don't have that implied consent. Mm. Now, ladies, we? we've only got a 30-minute podcast here and we could oh, keep cracking God. on We really this could. Maybe we'll have to do another. But I'm gonna, <laughs> we probably will have to. But I'm going to go back to – because your, your podcast is uh, the, the Resource uh, Podcast and on one of your episodes was Lockie Samuel, who is the FIFO mental health guy. Um, 
way you dive deep into him and his episode, because he is actually the living, breathing example of someone who has flipped and turned his life to deal with those issues and, and the way that you got that out of him. Um, do you have to go through it and to understand and have that moment to just reflect and go back and say, hey, I've got to do something about it? Or is it is it something that you can just just flip and just say, look, I've, I've got to work on this? Because Lockie is doing some amazing stuff on mental health for FIFO uh, workers. How how what was it like to get it out of him? Because he was exactly the the guy that was doing exactly to women what we're referring to here. Yeah, it was it was really interesting with Lockie, and I've always valued his vulnerability and his openness. Yeah. Lockie has done a shit ton of work. Yes, um, he's worked with a lot of different when it when it comes to the work that he's done with himself and for himself, and he's still on that journey. Yeah, I think when it comes to forgiveness of yourself, um, that's still a journey. He's got. Um, you know, a family now where it's really important that he he changes that and changes himself and changes the conversation and and he saw how important that was and that's why the podcast was able to go down the path that it did. Um, Lockie and I had a really um, good relationship and I think as well I'd been looking for a guy to talk to to ask all these questions of why did I think I was – Crazy. Can we swear? Yeah, you can yeah. swear. Why did I think I was freaking nuts when I was younger? Because I was being gaslit quite often. Yeah. And, mm. you know, I, I'm sure I've, I've got a lot of love to give. And, I, you know, when I was younger, I was like, why don't they love me? Mm. Um, and I'm sure that would have been made worse by um, people who were fearful of having a conversation or rejecting somebody. Yeah. And you know, there's a narcissist and then there's somebody who can't have a conversation. There's been a lot of narcissists that have, you you know, been around other people, but it was so refreshing to me to have that conversation because I'd literally had people approach me, women who were going through things at work or within their relationships saying, look, this is happening and this is happening. And I was like, you need to listen to this podcast. And I think so many men are on that journey at the moment of understanding what they've been a part of in the past and changing that culture because they're going to be having sons and daughters, sons yep. who they don't want to, you know, make the same mistakes as them, daughters who, and putting him in that same environment. But the world is changing and we've got to change with it. Otherwise, you're, you're simply not going to be – it's not going to be acceptable anymore. And the people who are fighting to keep the culture the same, you know, oh, I just don't know what to say anymore. You can't say anything. We're so politically correct. Mm. You know, oh, it's happening to men as well. It is happening to men. Oh, there's false accusations. There are those things happening. But we need to acknowledge – can we please acknowledge that yeah. it is happening and it's happening with um, women – so that we can move past that and then we can approach these other issues. Becky, is there an opportunity to avoid demonising the alleged perpetrators? So myself personally and, and my own journey and my um, upbringing under understanding, I have empathy and compassion for everybody. I think that's mm. really important. The quote of once you know better, you do better, I give people the benefit of the doubt, everyone, the benefit of the doubt that if they had have known better in that in that moment, mm. they would have done something better. I'm really um, empathetic and sympathetic to how people, how, how some men might be feeling at the moment of things that have happened in the past. I think it's really important that we don't you know, point the finger and say that it's only um, happening with women because it isn't. There are, mm. there is 
I hear so many stories from young men that have been abused as kids and there's no excuse whatsoever. But if we're not having the conversation around assault and abuse, then that's just going to keep on happening and it's going to be this big vicious cycle. So, yes, Carmen, that's the biggest and most important piece because otherwise it's going to – we don't want to go all the way over on the pendulum where you end end up hating a whole gender – because it's just simply, it's a societal thing. Mm-hmm. It's a world issue, and it's really important that we take the opportunity to make sure that everybody feels cared for and nurtured, so that it doesn't happen to anyone, not yeah. just one gender. Like anything, we we yeah. need to work toward a resolution. We yeah. need to work side by side. We yeah. need to live side by side. And you will meet parents of boys, and Nick here, a parent of boys. I've got girlfriends who've got boys. I've got a boy. You know, we we worry. And I'm, these aren't my words. I'm just going to have to point that out, I suppose, because I don't agree. But there are people who say, well, it's just so hard for a boy to be a boy these days. Yeah. You know, things like that. You know, and, and, it's, mm. and, and, and I hear that. But my point is we can have this conversation without you feeling like you're an evil person. I, you know, we're all a product of the, the culture we were raised in. I love that. I love that, Carms. And you... The way I feel about it, and raising two boys, they're 10 and 12, mm. um, I don't feel that they have any disadvantage, but they shouldn't have an advantage because of their male. Yeah. You know, I just see them as two citizens, two, you know, we're all citizens growing up and, you know, you've got an equal opportunity. And that, that's the way that we're sort of building it for them. You don't get any hands out, handouts, hand-ups, you know, any, any advantage for being who you are, but just be the best person you possibly can be. I, I, I'm hoping that's the way that we go about it because there is, you know, I think we've seen it in the media, some of the uh, private schools, particularly boys' schools that are very uh, misogynistic, very, very male-dominated. They get into that sort of herd, um, mm. tribal-type sort of um, position where it's like, where is that coming from? And yet, you know, you would probably their parents are probably horrified by the mm. fact that you know, mm. that's going on. But... We're just doing the best that we can as parents. Mm. I think at, at the end of the day, does it? Where, where does it come down to? Where does it lay down to, Becky? Is it, is it the environment, socio-economic, that space that they're in? Is it the the school? Is it the where 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 do you think that there there might be a solution? I think going back to what you were both saying on making sure that. You know, equality means equality. We have to be completely equal. We can't go all the way one one way. Mm. And I do agree to some extent when when people say that it is challenging being a man in this time. I feel for men, you know, white cisgendered males who are copying, you know, having been on the other side of oppression. Hey, this uh, this forty nine year old white male exactly. uh, living in a sort of uh, <laughs> the north of the river, he's feeling a little bit victimised here at the moment. No, not at all. But yeah. But you're right. It comes they, up. They, but also, they think more stones are being thrown at them. Yeah, but also I think denying anybody's feelings is is a dangerous place to be. The, yeah. Those people are allowed to feel like they're feeling that way. It, it's I feel like it's a lack of understanding and education around why is it it's, – and, and not taking it personally. That's a big, mature head to wear and, and, mm. and conversation to have. And if you're not surrounded by having that conversation, then you are going to feel blamed because right now when it comes to racism, when it comes to sexism, when it comes to things that are happening in the world, that, that demographic is copying it. Mm. 
And I think this is really important. And, and what I speak about is that you can't take it personally. And same as the, the resource sector, we can't take it personally. We just have to understand that it's not about you. It's about what decisions your forefathers had made because there has been oppression. Take responsibility. Yeah, take, take responsibility yep. and understand that you actually have the power to be a bigger person and it's not about you. Nobody's saying that it's you yeah. who did it at mm-hmm. all. It's about the opportunity that you have to take to be an advocate and an ally and be a better person for the culture and for the society that we're all wanting to create. Mm, that's what I'm loving about Becky's podcast and about Becky as a speaker as an educator, a trainer, you know, you've got that really level approach that is empathetic and supportive. So Becky, who do you work with as a speaker and a trainer? Who, who are the companies and the businesses that you're working with? So it's really different. And um, if I'm honest, like working with Carmen, I'm still finding my voice in, in where that is. I think I stepped out of FIFO just over a year ago because it's really challenging. It's sure. really hard. Mentally, being away from friends and family, you're in the hot, you're sweaty, you know, you're working with colleagues, you're eating with colleagues, you're going to work with them on the bus you it's a really challenging place to be and I stepped away for a reason because I found it really mentally challenging and really hard so I commend the people who are up there in in that um environment my the questions so who the, what, the, yeah, with touches. your consulting yeah, who am work I working and you're speaking with is that um I don't necessarily want to be staying in FIFO I don't want to be going back up to FIFO right. but I can see that my experience in FIFO, my understanding and my empathy for people, I'm willing to go back and share my experience and be a lived experience speaker. And I know that not everybody's willing to share their story of assault and put their hand up for that, but I'm willing. So the resource sector, corporates, um, I've got a presentation with the Teachers Union Women's Conference coming up in October, which I'm really excited about. That presentation is going to be completely different. It's going to be around empowerment, understanding, um, having self-awareness, self-acceptance, is really massive speaking mm-hmm. with women and, and understanding your boundaries and being okay saying yes and being okay and not judging yourself for saying no and having yeah. been a people pleaser which is where I think a lot of things that have happened in my life and, yeah. and maybe somebody who's listening has not wanted to piss anybody off and I'm still on that journey. I, I sometimes edit the things that I'm saying and mm. you know don't want to piss anybody off because for the first time in my life, upon reflection, having having been doing Carmen's um, boot camp, I realised for the first time in my life, I'm not liked by a lot of people. You know, a lot of people like what I'm sharing, but some people really don't. And I'm quite a palatable person. I'm, I'm a nice person and I'm kind. Mm. I've never not been liked. And I think that's the discomfort that I'm feeling at the moment because – what I speak about is really jarring and it's pissing people off. It's not my intention, but I know that we have to go down that road and I'm willing to be, to sacrifice that for the greater good and yeah. for the why so that what happened with me and so many other people doesn't happen again. Becky, can I just tell you, the people that don't like you, don't worry They're about They're not them. my people. They're yeah. not your people. And I know that. And I have days where I'm like, I don't give no shits. And then I have other days where I'm like, I can't, I give all the shits and I, you know, I just want to be loved, love me. But obviously I do it anyway. And that's mm. the difference between Becky then and Becky now is I, I absolutely poop my pants, but I do it anyway. These are the occasions when you got to feel the fear yeah. and do it anyway yeah. because the there's fear. a greater good. I love it. And sometimes, Becky, 
you got to burn a few bridges to keep the crazies out. <laughs> so I haven't heard that. Burn a few bridges. Like, you know they say, you know, keep your yeah. bridges. Burn a few of them to Are keep the crazies out. Are you calling me normal? Out. I've never been called normal before. I get almost <laughs> offended when I get called. I want some oh, of the crazies. <laughs> nah, you just don't want those people on your yeah, journey with 100%. you. Yeah, 100%. And, and mm. you've got to get They're just not ready. They're not there and I, and I have to be understanding of that and that's um, – it's not my responsibility, I think, to change people's minds. It's my responsibility to to make the change that I can So for my niece and my nephew and the women and the men around me. Keep up the good work. And non-binary as well, obviously. Well mm-hmm. done, well done, Thank Becky. You. Hey, yeah, she's Carms. good, right? I tell you what, this, mm. is, this one, I, when I was listening to a few of your uh, your podcasts, the resource podcast, I was going, oh, my God, we're going to get deep here. We're going to get deep. And, yeah. and normally I don't get that deep. I'm pretty shallow. I'm pretty shallow, Carms. <laughs> You got me really deep. Well done, Becky. Uh, if people do want to get in contact with you, how do they do it? So best is, uh, so Instagram, Becky Felstead, LinkedIn, Becky Felstead, or you can reach out via email, Becky at BeckyFelstead.com, um, or my business that is starting Culture 101. So that's going to be the training. So plenty of different ways that they can reach out. Lots of ways to do it. Calms. Mm-hmm. Another good episode. I'm going to use a naughty word. That was a bloody good one. Bloody good one. <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, when you listen to the podcast, you'll realise that that was just the beginning of Becky's story. And when I heard it, I was both shocked and unsurprised. And that's yeah. a funny thing, okay? What I mean by that is it's shocking to hear that one person can encounter so many cases of sexual assault and harassment, uh, but unsurprised because so many of us have had the same thing. Yeah. So many. And it's uh, it's a bit of bravery to, to put your hand up and say, look, this is this is what's happened to me. But also, to it might answer a few of the questions that you're actually asking about yourself now. If you go back and have a look and see, mm. that could have been it. Well, as you can see, this is a really long version of the Experts podcast. We couldn't really close that one off, but it, we couldn't have done it justice if we didn't. So thanks for joining us. If you want to listen to another podcast, we'll be back next week when we speak to another expert or another media. We'll see you then. Thank you. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.